Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, with co-host Tim Langer. Today's episode, we'll be talking about the power of learning through experience and those around you. Today's guest is Julian Arana, founder of BFit Personal Training Studio in Miami Lakes, master's in exercise physiology, and personal trainer for over 12 years. Julian, welcome to the show again. Thanks for having me, Andy. Of it was course, a pleasure. Of, of course, of course. So the biggest reason why I brought Julian back on, other than the fact that he's an awesome human being, but um, we had a recent conversation, and it seems like to be a kind of like the revolving concept or topic that we always talk about, which is, again, this topic of learning through, through experience and then, again, learning from those around you. Um, just kind of give, a, you know, for those that haven't l listened to the other episode, just give us a brief uh, intro to you, Julian, and kind of how you came to where you're at right now. Sure thing. So I am a personal training studio owner. I own a small little personal training studio in Miami Lakes. I studied exercise physiology. I've been basically in the health and fitness field my entire life. I started as a martial arts instructor teaching Taekwondo and Krav Maga. Uh, and so fitness has always been part of my life. It's always been a huge passion of mine. Uh, and when I discovered that I, could, that I could actually study this and was fascinated by the science behind it, I chose exercise physiology as a major. Uh, and then I started my business when I was 25, and I've never looked back. I love it. Awesome, awesome. Uh, being that both of us have a lot of education behind our names and certifications up the Wahoo, um, I think it's relevant to say what is the difference between experience or application versus theory? And I'll let you go ahead, Julian, first. Well, I think that's an excellent question, and it's something that most of us don't realize until we're outside of college, if we do come from an academic background. Uh, and, you know, you could read a ton of books on any subject, but uh, I've heard, for example, and a lot of people, biz experienced business owners and people who have had success with business specifically say you don't really learn about business until you own a business. Um, mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same thing in, in many fields, I would assume. I can't say for other fields, but definitely for ours, um, there's a lot of uh, intuition that you gather from experience and actually working with people. Uh, and there's a lot of things that you just can't learn uh, through text or literature that you just have to experience for yourself. And uh, it may not be obvious. And then there's other things where you think you know a whole lot uh, theoretically when you graduate from, from school or you read a lot of books. And then when you come to the real world, you realize, okay, <laughs> that was all great in theory, but the practical aspect is totally different. Yeah, I mean, especially for business, uh, most business owners, especially in, in the industry, in the health and fitness industry, I mean, nowadays there's like, I don't know how many blueprints for whatever, but even for the exact business that you're doing, there's so many ways to do it. So um, yeah, you can go through, like I have done mastermind, or one mastermind, I've done mentorships, I've done uh, other like mini courses to learn kind of like the, the foundational stuff of business, like setting it up, uh, do's and don'ts and all those things. But for you really to understand how to run a business, you kind of have to do it. <laughs> and those are one of the things that, you know, you're not really taught. I mean, you can go through, I mean, now I think there's like entrepreneurship in certain uh, courses or curriculums. Uh, but even then, like we mentioned, there's theory, right? There's like the books of like X, Y, and Z. This is what's going to happen. But um, the stuff that happens in between those things, like, hey, by the way, there's a pandemic. What are you going to do? How to change your business model when, you, you know, you never tried anything else. All those things are learn as you go. Um, 
and, and I think the biggest thing with that is, is not getting frozen um, with not knowing what's next. I think a lot of times, uh, especially like if we're talking about like education, like we get so stuck in the, the textbook stuff. Like if we're talking about uh, exercise phys or, or rehab in my case as well. Um, you get so stuck in orthopedic assessment, one through 200, and uh, what are different ways to um, program or different ways to modify this exercise. But then you have Sally or Sam or, you know, whoever comes in and says, all right, I have this, 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 and everything that you learn in the textbook, there's there's no textbook Sally, right? There's no person yep. that comes in and it exactly, it might be a variation of those things. So... Um, well, that's where you kind of get your, your theory, you kind of put it into practice and then you figure out, all right, this and this apply this and this don't. So I'm going to leave that away. Uh, kind of like the Bruce Lee, uh, principle of use what's necessary and dispose of what is not. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a firm believer that you learn through action. You can only plan and read so much. You have to just do things and the faster, and the more you do, the more you'll learn. Absolutely. And so this experience or applications versus Theory is is uh, something that I talk to students about a lot. Uh, when you know when they're talking to me about, hey, how can I get, how can I be a better uh, athletic trainer or better manual therapist or what can what courses can I take? Um, uh, most of the things, the first thing I say is, what do you know already? Okay, what courses have you taken already? All right, go from there and move forward. And what have you practiced? What haven't you practiced? Uh, what worked? What didn't work? Um, and not always going into books, not always going to certifications right off the bat. Um, so understanding, again, that experience factor, understanding kind of like the principles of whatever you're learning, and then moving forward. And like we mentioned earlier, like what Julian mentioned, with business, um, especially with business, because most business, most people that go into business, especially in our, in our health and fitness wellness area, aren't weren't business majors by no means. They were practitioners that made a business. So. <clears throat> not getting stuck with the kind of like the the tedious stuff just go ahead and keep working on it working uh, day by day and just learning as you go tim i know you had a, a question or you wanted to chime in yeah no it's an, an interesting topic so julian let's say while you're going through the i mean applying the theory and making experiences what do you have learned in terms of maybe in terms of decision making making over time with experience quicker or better decisions one of the things I think just comes through, I guess, getting older and hopefully wiser is you learn to trust yourself more. Um, so sometimes when you're a business owner, you're getting all this noise and all these uh, this advice and all oh, these people are doing this and that business is doing that and they're succeeding. And and you kind of get lost in trying to uh, trying to ob uh, obtain all this information. Um, and, and it's with good intentions. You obviously want to grow and you want to succeed and you want to improve. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to trust yourself and no one knows your business like you do, your your particular specific business. Um, so you, I've learned to trust my own decisions and my intuition and my gut feelings a lot more through the years. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to chime in real quick. Um, and for sure, I think one of the things I wrote down here for, for this topic was increasing reflection, right? Where you start to, you know, you can learn about a lot of things, but until you actually put into play, then you can be like, wow, that worked for me or that didn't work for me. And, and why did that resonance or resonance resonate, sorry, resonate with me? Uh, and being able to, you know, not only apply what you learn, but trust yourself. Because sometimes 
um, you might have this feeling uh, like whatever, you know, this might work or this not might work. And, you know, uh, allowing for that intuition to kind of see through. Sometimes it's, it's hard and scary. Um, and like Julian mentioned, especially with business, um, just trying to trust yourself and, and moving forward. But even with somebody like we talked about the business and educational side, but even like for the consumer, like for the uh, for the person either training with a coach or a patient working with a, a practitioner, um, also understanding that um, experience is also a big component of it, right? Like, for example, if a coach tells you, hey, it's going to take, you know, work this, you know, eight week block or whatever, and you're going to learn these exercises, it's going to be very uncomfortable because learning could be uncomfortable because it's something new. You might not be really good at it. So you'll learn it from a coach, right? You'll learn it from your practitioner, whatever exercises or principles we're trying to teach you. But then you have to do your side of it and also apply it and understand that, yeah, Google is going to show you all these uh, cool um, blogs and videos and YouTube is going to show you all these um, tutorials, but we can get stuck in that just like learning phase and not move on into the actual application, which is what we're talking about, the experience factor. Getting yourself to, which now I realize after going through a Google search that it's actually called experiential learning. They have words for like really super big words for anything. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was just experience, uh, ex learning through experience, but I think experiential learning is a lot shorter. Yeah. And anyway, I, I, I think I, really quick, just to chime in yeah, from, yeah, from yeah, a go. patient's or a client standpoint, I think a lot of people get caught in that paralysis analysis and they're looking for like yeah. optimization, best workout, the, the, mm -hmm. the most optimized way to build muscle or how much we'll have to rest. And what if I try this fancy workout or that one? And, and they miss out on the biggest thing, which is just, try something but be consistent with it be consistent for some time because in the same way that we have to learn through experience as practitioners they have mm -hmm. to learn through doing the thing taking the action seeing how their body responds to either this specific diet or these nutrients or these movements and these these workouts that you're doing but that takes some time so a lot of times people get stuck in just like the planning and looking and researching and finding the right trainer the right gym um, and they don't don't focus on the bigger picture which is just build those habits yeah Habits are, are a big one. And again, what we're trying to say here, especially with experience versus theory, is no matter whether we're talking about business being like more profitable or being just happier with your business or as a coach or a practitioner, um, getting better or, or getting more credibility, or if you're a consumer or a patient or someone learning or looking to train uh, better or optimize your performance, at the end of the day, application is going to supersede theory. Yes, you need theory to kind of kind of as like an entry form, entryway, uh, kind of like in martial arts where you know you get your basics. But at the end of the day, uh, once you become a black belt, a black belt is really your interpretation of what the whole system is about. Um, and that's, I think, is a similar concept. And actually, I'm a, a, that's a quote that I got from my mentor, Chad Bailey, in case you're listening, Chad. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's, it's important. So no matter where, and we talked about a lot in this one little segment, right? Business, uh, coaching, education, uh, education in general, and then as a consumer, you have to apply, you have to learn by doing, um, and don't get frozen. And I think a big important part of it too is mistakes. I think the word mistake gets a negative connotation and it should for certain things, but a mistake on my, on my uh, to me, a negative experience or a mistake is actually one of the, at least for me, I've realized that it's, it's one of the most powerful tools I can ever receive from anything. Yes, do I want positive uh, criticism and positive experience? Yes, of course. But what I mean is that my mindset towards negative outcomes and mistakes is much different than I think most people. When I 
when a mistake happens or when I commit a mistake, that's my time to learn. And I, I find that I pay the most attention when I create a mistake or when I do a mistake. And then I have, I have time to reflect, like we mentioned, be able to uh, trust your intuition, but sometimes too, trust the fact that the path that you're on, um, although not perfect, because you are going to make mistakes, um, is going to help you learn towards the next step, which you, uh, which you're going to get into. So, um, and you could just reframe mis the word mistake for learning experience. Yep. 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 That's true. That's true. Because like I said, mistakes, uh, like I said, mistakes are very, very powerful. And sometimes like, like Julian mentioned, uh, it was, dang, what was it? Uh, paralyzed. Sorry, yep. I forgot. Analysis paralysis. Analysis paralysis, right? You get stuck in this thinking process that you get scared. Like, okay, I don't, I don't want to make a mistake, but in reality, if you make a mistake, everybody understands you're going to make a mistake. But if you do make a mistake, that's your time to learn. Actually, one of the ways that one of the ways I love to coach is what I call hands-free coaching, right? Where um, I tell somebody kind of like I show them what to do, they're doing it, and I'm just kind of like 10 to 15, maybe even. Well, nowadays it's virtual, so I'm like miles apart. But what it gives them, it gives the person the the opportunity to do is to make mistake. Is to you know, if they're watching themselves in a mirror or they feel like a mistake and they look at you and they're like, coach, did I do something wrong? Or, hey, did I do something wrong? And I'm just quiet. And then at the end, I talk to them and say, hey, what do you think? How can you, what can you do better? Or what do you feel went wrong? Or uh, what did you think? And a lot of times they'd be like, oh, I messed up and I did this. Or I know you told me to do this, but I did that. And I said, well, perfect. Those are the mistakes. And now you won't forget them. Let's try again. So I think it can be very powerful. So that word mistake Instead of mistake, I think learning experience, like Julian mentioned, is a great substitute. All right. Um, the next question or next thing that I, I wanted to talk about, too, was learning from those around you. Um, I haven't really had too many interns, um, actually one or two, but I know Julian, through his uh, business, BFIT, they have uh, basically an intern program, a strength conditioning studio, where they get um, basically students within the strength conditioning program. Um, come in, observe them, and maybe learn from them, and sometimes even hire them. You want to talk a little bit about that, Julian? Yeah, sure. We have uh, we've had students from a lot of the local universities um, who are studying either exercise physiology or strength and conditioning, uh, and you know, a lot of them have ended up becoming uh, either trainers for us and working for us, or have gone on to you know leave the state and get great jobs at at other places. But um, we're happy to still continue a great relationship with each and every one of them. Uh, and it's one of the more rewarding parts of, of my job is, is being able to teach that next generation. And um, in, in many ways, what I try to do is I try to give them a framework that I wish I had at their age, um, mm -hmm. tell them the lessons that I wish I had learned and really not hold anything back. At the end of the day, I want them to succeed, whether it's with us or, or on their own, I'm trying to create, create great trainers. So that's, that's, our, that's our mindset. What would you say is the biggest thing uh, for an intern or somebody observing that you find, um, I don't know, kind of like hinders them? Like what's a mindset that they come, come with um, that might be not necessarily optimal for their learning, I guess? Like do you find that sometimes they come in and they're like super shy and don't want to like ask any questions or maybe the reverse? Maybe they don't give you time to teach them and just kind of like firing questions at all will. 
Um, you, you get a little bit of each of those, um, depending on the personality and the experience mm -hmm. of the person. But but my answer is probably going to come out of left field, but it's something that <laughs> I wanted to get into as well. And it's I think the, the overabundance of information out there right now, especially with social yeah. media, uh, it really confuses these young um, people who have seen all kinds of different training methodologies. And they see all these trainers on Instagram sharing things. And they're like, like where what do i read what do i is is this method better because that guy said this and this one posts that and they're all conflicting each other and that's where i have to say something that i just said a, a while back here is that you got to stick to something and try it because otherwise you won't know you can't do all the programs at once you can't do all the methodologies at once so you kind of have to drown out a lot of that noise uh and, you know, it, that's when mentorships uh, come into place because it's like, okay, what's, what's your methodology? Let me try that for a bit and kind of ignore all these other things and see how that goes. Then you can start adding tools. It's like a toolkit, right? You can add many other tools to get the job done. But if you're overwhelmed, you know, if you go to a carpentry school and they say, how do you build this desk? And they throw all the tools at you at once. Go figure it out. Here's every tool. You're going to be overwhelmed and confused. So... I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, people are, number one, their, their attention span is is not there these days. So that's something tough to deal with. But another thing is just an overabundance of, of content. Yeah, I think that's true, especially like you mentioned, social media or, or for us is also like Google, right, where someone comes in and they're like, the doctor said I have a herniated disc, Google. And then Google says I have all this going on. I'm like. Oh, yeah, God. and the right. physio I follow to says that <laughs> herniated discs do this, this, and that, or you should do this one stretch. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Exactly. And and sometimes, which we talk about learning from those around you, but I think also too a part of that is taking stuff with a grain of salt, right? Because not, I mean, people even for me, like when I talk to somebody, I tell them, "Listen, this is what I've learned. This is what uh, my experiences are. It might not be true to you. Maybe some things are." Uh, but I think also understanding context is important. Understanding in, in how someone's and where someone's coming from um, is important. Um, like like you mentioned, as far as uh, um, what did I say? And just to just to, I wanted to add something there. So a lot of it has a lot to do with when it comes to the consumer, especially um, their inability to differentiate marketing techniques with um, actual proven strategies. Right. So one of the things that plagues my industry and perhaps like yours, too, because you, you know, kind of have yeah. a different niche is that people will try to sell you anything and promise you that you can lose X amount of pounds or that this is the program for pain free performance. Get your strongest ever, you know, lose Quick X fix. amount in, the X, in, in, in this short amount of time. And, uh, and it's, you're, you're taking advantage of somebody's desire to make a change and, and kind of, uh, overstating, uh, the results that you can potentially see from the program. So a lot of the, a lot of clients, they, they, they say, Oh, but look, this, this, this trainer, they look fantastic and they're doing this work. Should I try this or should I try that? And I try to always teach that you got to try to separate marketing from, you know, what is actually proven. Is there, is there an, any evidence that, you know, everyone doing this program is going to be able to lose those 10 pounds in 10 days or whatever, or what is it based on? And what are the long-term consequences of doing something that drastic, whatever it might be, there's a lot of marketing involved in what we do. And for consumers, it's sometimes hard to, to differentiate the true honest practitioners from the ones that are just trying to sell their online program. Julian, that's a very good point. So as a consumer, for example, what are some of the watch outs? I mean, I mean, we talk about learning through experience, but as a consumer, you might not want to go to 
five different trainers just to find out and, and work with them to find out who is the, the right one. Are there any specific points or advice or watchouts you would Yes, uh, absolutely. First? I'm sorry, what was that last part? Yeah, just to find maybe just with one or two tries the right run rather than going through a whole list of, of potential trainers. Yeah, I think one big one is anyone who speaks in absolutes, you should be careful with. There are very little absolutes. And when it comes to dealing with the human body, uh, if there's if someone tells you this is the thing and it works for everyone, that's something to be careful with. Because from my experience, and I'm sure Andy could vouch for me here, every patient is different. Every client is different. What works for one may not necessarily work for another. So, yes, there are some principles that we can all use. Uh, but at the end of the day, it takes personal experimentation with whatever methodology from each person in order to to really get something that that works for them. So that would be one thing. Another one would be uh, anyone who's a, who's a serious professional in this industry will will never tell you that there's some sort of secret or you know magic method or thing or supplement that you can take that's going to accelerate results. Um, just like anything worth having in life, uh, these things take time. These things take patience. Uh, and a lot of the times, slow progress is better than fast progress because you actually get to keep those results longer. Um, if you look at the, for example, the uh, percentage of people who do diets, especially like extreme diets, you know, it's like 98% or something like that, um, gain the weight after six months or a year or two years. So that tells you that it doesn't matter how fast you lose the weight or you see results. It's, is this something that's, uh, sustainable in the long term? And any honest practitioner is going to tell you the truth, which is this takes time. This is about building habits. This is a lifestyle change. It's not about, I'm, you know, this get quick, uh, you know, do this and lose weight in six weeks type of thing. So I'd say those are the two big things. Yeah. I mean, and I think that goes for pretty much anyone you're trying to learn from, right? We talked about here, uh, a coach or a trainer, uh, which goes hand in hand also like with a practitioner, but even just like someone you're trying to learn anything from, like if they're saying, uh, anything in absolute, like Junior mentioned, I think is perfect because nothing is absolute. I think it depends and it's relative to the context of like what we mentioned. Um, but also too, not, I mean, if learn, learning takes time. I mean, there's just so much, especially nowadays where everything's kind of like instant, here's this and you're going to receive that. Sometimes, like we mentioned, putting in the work, putting in the time um, is going to be important. So for sure, like Julia mentioned, if you know, as far as trainers and coaches and uh, practitioners goes as well, anything in absolute is probably a big red flag. Um, anything uh, as far as like again, quick fixes, we talk about all the time in this podcast. Is there's no such thing. I mean, anything worthwhile takes time. That's something that we talk about a lot, and I know Julian uh, feels the same. Um, and it's important to know. So that was a, a great question, Tim. Um, as far as, you know, I had mentioned the intern, uh, or Julian and him, Julian, his business and his company, how they, uh, work with interns as well. Um, and myself and I'm sure Julian as well had to do like a lot of like observational, uh, stuff for education, like as part of like the, um, learning process of learning to be a coach or for me learning to be a practitioner, uh, of many dis uh, disciplines now. I think a big question I have too is the observation versus direct learning. Observation meaning where you kind of like no hands on kind of thing. You're just kind of watching what the person's doing. Uh, for a lot of places, I'm I'm assuming Julian, especially like if you're if an, an intern is you, they'll probably come in and just kind of watch you guys work, do a couple of classes, maybe one on one, just so you they get to kind of 
feel the vibe and the culture of what you guys have, similar to like when I've had interns, they'll come in and be like, all right, this is kind of what I do. And I'm explaining certain things. And then it's direct learning where you're learning kind of like more one-on-one, like do this, no, do that. What would you say is the best and maybe not the best, maybe what's the time frame when it comes to those two things? So observational kind of no hands and then direct, meaning more like hands-on one-on-one learning with either a coach, like kind of like edu- educational, like a, how can I say, not necessarily a coach, but more like a personal, tra- uh, a student of personal training and then a uh, experienced personal trainer or strength coach like you, Julian. Yeah, I think it goes back to we were talking about how you learn through action, right? So I think yeah. both are important. And I think it's important for people to know what learning style is best for them. Like some people are more visual learners, some people are more right. hands on, yeah. other people like to read. I know a lot of people that don't read at all. And that's okay. Um, but I think both are important. And the way we do it for our interns is we teach them a lot of the, you know, theoretical stuff, the uh, philosophy of what we do and why we do it, um, especially in the beginning. Um, and then little by little, as they start learning more and feeling more comfortable, we give them more responsibility. Like you're going to teach the warm up today. You know, you're going to teach the warm up for every class tomorrow. And then, you know, a week, two weeks later, then you're going to teach this section of the class. Or I want you to demonstrate one exercise and explain um, all the, the potential ways to do it wrong. And, and uh, so little by little, they're getting more hands on um, actual experience on the job, because, again, that is the number one way to learn. And a lot of times. Uh, the interns will be concerned with, hey, I have, you know, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that. And my only answer is, that's experience. You're going to get that through doing it more and more and more. Don't worry about that. If the problem is like some sort of theoretical thing, like, hey, what muscle does this activate or why are we doing that stretch? That's a different type of question. I can answer that right on the spot. But uh, many other things I tell them, listen, this is just, you're going to, eventually this is going to be easy to do. So you just have to do it more and more and, and that's how you'll learn. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and I think this question is important, too, because for anyone learning, whether a new skill or, you know, educational wise or trying to, you know, improve in their career as a coach or whatever it may be, because I try to talk as far as like now, you know, as a coach, but as a consumer um, is that beginning stage, right? We all want to kind of go from beginner to expert as quick as possible. Um, like I'm trying to learn this, uh, well, with Qigong as well, too. It kind of took me a while, but this new thing, uh, it's not new, it's new to me, a martial art, Filipino martial art called Arnis. I, I started probably, uh, actually today was my first day, but learning about it because my mentor, um, he's one of the instructors on it, but you immediately want to be like a professional or an expert right away. And it's that uncomfortable um, kind of, it's almost like when you're growing a beard, it's like when you are, are growing your hair out, it's like that weird kind of awkward stage where it's <laughs> growing out, similar to, to learning where, you're in this case, you know, as a student where you're making mistakes or you're, you're not quite there, you're not as smooth with talking with clients or you're not as smooth with like bedside manner as a, as a practitioner or your programming, whatever it is. Um, long story short, that the observational period, a lot of times we want to skip, but I think that's one of the like the rite of passages, but also very important because when you're now working with your hands, you start to, you're, you're able to learn through other methods by hearing, by seeing, because uh, sometimes when we're too, uh, what's the word, not direct, but too uh, handsy or too involved, we get so focused on what we're doing with our hands that we forget or we, it minimizes our ability just to kind of sit back and learn and see the bigger picture. That's what I wanted to say, the bigger picture. And what I've seen through observation 
for example, observing either uh, my mentor through acupuncture or, or through other uh, disciplines like athletic training and massage therapy is I learn how they talk to person. I learn how they use their certain hands, how they set up, um, all those things that you can't really learn. Like, uh, it's not something that you, it's not a lot of things that aren't taught, but you have to see. It's kind of like through observation. Uh, but then again, there's little things like technique and um, uh, forms and all those things that are more direct that you learn in that manner. But I think Julian also mentioned something that is, is crucial, right? We all learn differently. Like for me, observation is key. Like from the very get-go, I want to see how, I want to see how everything plays out first. And then I start to kind of like how Julian mentioned, expose myself little by little, and then slowly work work my way up. There's other people that like to read like ten books and then observe and then go my or more direct uh more into like direct learning. Or they have the other option, and there's many of them, many variations where all right, I just want to put my I just want to get into it, kind of get into the fire, and then uh, learn some theory and then go into it. Or for example, like again, it can be a client in this case where um they don't want you to kind of talk to them too much and be like okay what do you want me to do okay you want me to do that okay let me try it let me do it a couple of times let me mess up and then what do you feel like i need to work on so some people i guess we can label that right you have kinesthetic which is more uh more the movement kind of like more hands-on learners you have the obser uh, observation or is that how you say observe observatory or, or kind of like more visual sorry more visual learners that they need to see it uh, and then uh there's another another one that I can't remember right now, but those are two ways that we just talked about. But there's many ways to learn, um, especially when you're learning from others around you, whether you're a coach, uh, you know, whether through a course or someone, you know, uh, right next to you. And sometimes, too, as a coach to coach, right, where me and Julian all the time, where Julian will say something like, wow, I didn't, you know, Julian as a coach and me as practitioner and slash coach, um, I learned from him. So sometimes expert to expert is important to learn, too. I think sometimes um when you get when you get in a rhythm of like working in this in, in in an industry or in a niche or whatever that you kind of get into this into a rhythm basically you get into a rhythm um and you kind of lose the educational side to it until you kind of start asking questions to your peers really hey like i've been struggling with this what have you done um and that's when you start to learn a little bit more we'll talk a little bit now too about that about learning from other coaches and learning from uh, other peers. but Yeah, I wanted to add to what you were saying um, because I think it ties everything together. I think for me, what you're, what you're saying is, and this is something I've experienced, is that learning any endeavor is a is a humbling process, really. Mm -hmm. um, and the best masters and the best mentors that I know, um, experts, are all humble enough to understand that they don't know it all and there's always more to learn. Right. Yeah. So I think it's a sign of arrogance to try to get into something and then like, OK, a few weeks in, like, all right, like, you know, I'm, I'm awesome at this. or I'm going to try to teach others how to do this. That's kind of like a like newbie uh, beginners mentality of like, you know, yeah. I, I think I know it all because I learned a few things. No, like the real masters know that they're always learning. And like you said, they're learning from other experts. They're learning from their clients and their patients. Very importantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's that it's a process of humility. You know, um, I think we all go through that when you start learning something and you think that, you know, a lot and then you realize like, wow, there's a whole like there are many worlds that I can dive into that I know nothing about that are related to my field. You said something so important right now, just now, Julian, is and something that I think about all the time is learning from your patients, learning from your clients, learning from those that are supposed to be learning from you. Right. I think a lot of times we get into this um 
I don't want to say vicious cycle, but this block where we are the expert and this person is a student or this person is a client or this person is a patient and they are here to learn from me. But a lot of times you learn from, you, you know, if, if you're open to it, like if you're not blocked, you're not blocking yourself from that. And you, like Julian mentioned, you're humble enough to understand that you can learn from anyone and you should. Um, you can learn from your students and you can learn from your patients and clients all the time. I do that all the time. Like I can attest, Tim, my co-host, which is also a long-term client, I learned a lot from him. Like my recent uh, blog post and YouTube video was about um, grounding, like how to ground yourself. And I remember talking to Tim and he's like, yeah, you know, uh, I'm, you know, this is kind of what I do when I'm, when I feel overwhelmed or whatever. I was like, what? That's so simple. I've never heard of that. And it was the, like the five, four, three, two, one method where uh, I don't want to go too much into it. So basically you, you're using your senses to kind of bring yourself back into the present. And if I would have kind of dismissed Tim or be like, oh yeah, yeah, I know that too. I would have missed a great opportunity to learn something yet so powerful that now that I use every day. And I also teach other people. I think a lot of times too, us as coaches, practitioners, instructors, teachers, whatever you label yourself, um, you learn so much, you get the nuggets from those people around you, which is why we want to talk about this segment, learning from others around you. And, and that doesn't always have to be an expert. It could easily be um, something I do all the time is watch babies. I watch babies all the time. I learn from them. Um, watch how they move, how, watch how they move, what they do, what's successful. And then try to apply that to, um, to my, to my practice, to how I teach. Um, yeah, that's, again, that, like, that, that brings up two interesting points. One is that I think sometimes people get to, and you mentioned this brief, briefly, uh, practitioners get too caught up in their specific system that yeah. they don't, they don't have the ability to look outside of it or try a different approach with a patient. Um, you know, your system isn't going to work with everyone. That's just, yeah. you know, that's just the way it is. So I think that the more open-minded practitioners are also the best practitioners because they might offer another solution um, when then their solution isn't working. But that has to do yeah. with keeping an open mind, of course. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, I think, uh, and it goes back to like what you had mentioned, like the absolute, like no system is the system, right? Every system is a playoff of, hundreds and thousands of other systems like everything like everything that's going on right now has happened before in one sense or another and, and one of these things that i'm learning is as i practice more qigong is uh qigong which is uh comes from chinese uh martial art from like thousands of years right it talks about meditation talks about mobility talks about strength talks about power and you can talk about how many courses are out now that talk about the best way to meditate the best way to build power the best way to for mobility right something that and, and you will hear from these instructors that or coaches or, or teachers that that they came up with this. But a lot of times it's a playoff from those things. So, yeah, um, for sure. I, I wanted to bring up something before I forget too that relates to this. <laughs> and I wanted to um, actually have this conversation with you since before the podcast started. But um, what are your feelings between being a generalist versus a specialist? Because what I what I've noticed and, and even read some there's this guy that wrote a whole book about like the case for being a generalist, knowing a little bit about mm -hmm. everything, because I feel like especially in as as you go higher in academia and like in professions, you become so specialized that you literally have an inability to look outside of anything that has to do with outside of your little scope. Right. And yeah. I find that the more I learn about, I have many interesting curiosities, like I think too many for my own good, but the more I learn about other things, like let's say philosophy or psychology or even um, finance and economics, the more 
that that gets me thinking differently about my own practice. And I actually find myself like improving and helping people even more because I have this expanded worldview. And so what, what, what have you found about that? Because you also are very curious and I know you've dabbled in a lot of different things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I like to speak through examples and I'll give you two. Bruce Lee and Ido Portal, right? Obviously two different, you know, we're talking about two different people, obviously, but you know, whatever. So Bruce Lee talks about um, mastering. It's better to know one kick a thousand times than to understand a thousand kicks. I don't know how you mentioned it, but something like that. Yeah. Knowing one thing really well rather than knowing a whole bunch of things very minimal. But that same person also talks about, hey, um, get learn it through learn as many systems as you can, and then take out what is not necessary and you make it your own. So the same person that talked in. I don't want to say an absolute, but more of a specialist, a specialist also talked about being a generalist. But I think the importance of it, you know, I think we can talk about this absolutism. Or I don't know if that's a word. I just made that up. Um, is is not being either or. I think being in the middle, being being in generalist, being as as how can I say this? Let's talk about uh, in movement, right? How many? There's so many styles and systems of movement, right? I think it's good to know a little bit of each, but I also think it's important to go in depth into those things that you feel that are are, are that resonate with you. For example, I like um, FRC, right? The functional range conditioning. I like um, like functional patterns, what uh, Naudi has to talk about, but not too far into it. Um, I like what Ida Portal talks about, but sometimes I feel like it's a little too much play. So I think going into as many realms as you can, but also going deep into those realms as much as possible. So um, I do believe in being a generalist because I think it's uh, the more, the more tools you have in your toolbox, the better. But I also understand, I also believe that it's important to also be well-equipped within that system, if that makes sense. So to answer your question, I, I would say, I would say be a generalist and a specialist. And whenever you can, be the best, uh, be the best of both the worlds. But sometimes you can't, depending on who you're working with or whatever. Like for example, right, self-defense. There's so many self-defense systems, right? Krav Maga might be really good for this opponent, and then Jiu-Jitsu might be really good for this person. Or you know, understanding how to manage a weapon might be much better. So it just depends. I think knowing all three of those systems, or knowing multiple systems, and then um, and then making it your own. I think always making it your own. So I think that was a long-winded answer to say, be both the best or be the best of both worlds. Yeah, I think just to add to that, if if you have other curiosities that are outside of your field um, and you start exploring, then you might bump into something that's really interesting, and then you could go deep into that and get very specific about mm-hmm. it. So it's more about exploration too, yeah. right? If you're so stuck in your own thing, then you never you never practice anything outside of that, um, and I think that could you know potentially uh, you know not be the best route when you're just too myopic about i'm just gonna do it this way yeah and you'd be surprised like you can go like into like a total different tangent of learning something for example uh i don't know i'm gonna make this up knitting you know you're you're learning how to knit and all of a sudden you start to build this really good focus on or start to build focus and learn a different way of learning and all of a sudden you're like oh wow and then you bring it over to what your day-to-day is and I'm, i'm making two different examples but what I'm trying to say is, like Julian mentioned, is when you start to amplify what you're learning and how you're learning things, you're able to also use those 
use that that uh, that experience for other things that you probably may already have skills in. Um, I think. Um, I think what's it called? Specialization. Like if uh, I don't know if that's what it's called, but you know, you learn skills for one thing that might transition, or a lot of times do transition to 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 something else. Whether again, we can talk about like physical activity or movement or just learning in general. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I, I just to give one more, I don't want to beat this over the head, but just to give another example, relevant example, because it actually has happened to me lately is I've been studying a lot about like finance and the psychology of money. Actually, you just read a book called The Psychology of Money, which I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more I study about building wealth and, and how to manage your finances, the more uh, I see the relevance between that and like fitness and building a body and building a fitness practice like it's it's crazy how many similarities there are between um how to manage your finances and build wealth and how to like you know have the habit of fitness it's it's insane and you see it you see these financial people use fitness all the time as an analogy to like saving money and and making good investments and waiting playing the long game and not falling for like get uh, rich quick schemes and all this stuff and i'm like wow it's like they're speaking my language but just with money <laughs> tim you had something you had i know yeah, you wanted to chime in just so another aspect of it both of you talked about i mean yeah we talked about learning from from others and one aspect you both mentioned is learning from mentors so i was wondering as you both apparently have individual mentors how did you build this relationship and how did you find your mentors is there something you want to can point out julian want to go first uh yeah i actually i I would say I've learned from a lot of people, but um, I wouldn't say I have like one particular mentor. I think that um, every sector of my life I've had uh, somewhat of a mentor. Um, And I've, I've actually actively always kind of searching for like that older, wiser, not necessarily older, but just like wiser, more experienced person that I can learn from. But um, one that definitely stands out is my, the director of my exercise phys program at at UM. Um, He was somebody that I just like every Every second that I got to spend with him, I would just soak up all his knowledge because he was such a not just brilliant and theoretically smart person, but also had a lot of like real world application um, behind him. So he was one of the reasons like he gave me a lot of my guiding principles when I started my business. Um, and then there's, you know, for different sectors, like Andy has been a big one when it comes to the the rehabilitation and prehab and um, even like meditation and just this, you know, there's the yin and yang of my personality and and andy has been like that one which is the one that's like the more calming like bring it down a notch (laughs) that's the one that andy's been so um yeah there's been a few people depending on the on the sector of my life but there's not really one person yeah i think with with anything there's got to be like different different uh i guess arrowheads right people kind of like guiding you in that way but i think also a very important thing is uh, I think one of one of the aspects of Tim's question is how do you get to that point? Like, how do you get to asking for a mentor? And I think first, I think it starts with wanting to learn something. I think that's first, right? Getting, being aware that you're interested in something, and then uh, from there, understanding who do you have around you that can possibly teach you that. But not just stopping there too, because I think like we mentioned earlier, especially Julian, is that there's so many people out there creating content and uh, talking about maybe some things that you're interested in, but they might not be the person for you. So similar to what we talked about earlier, where you have to kind of learn by doing, 
And one of your earlier questions to you, Tim, where it's like, how do you pick the right person to train with or the right person to teach you? Sometimes you kind of have to do like a, a tryout, like a blind date, <laughs> Yeah. you know, where you kind of, all right, this person, you know, I want to learn about this kind of like we have the same philosophy or, I, you know, I kind of believe in what they're kind of preaching. Um, you kind of set up a time where you guys meet or whoever, and then you, you feel it out and see if, if, you know, if they can connect with you. And I think, I mean, this kind of this high, this whole conversation go, goes in, uh, in together because at the same time, you kind of have to give it time. Unless you're like really good at like judging somebody and understanding like they're going to be a right fit for you. Sometimes it takes a little bit for that person to to kind of warm up to you. Like I remember, uh, and and we know the same person, Dr. Shu. Dr. Shu's a, a, a very, actually very no, well-known acupuncturist here in Miami. And I went to him because... Before I wanted to go into acupuncture, I wanted to make sure this is what I wanted to do. So this is my, uh, it was kind of my undercover interview just to figure out if like, this is what I want to do. Anyway, so it took me about a month or two. I was getting, me, both me and my wife were getting treated by him. And it literally took, took me, I had no lie, it took me two months to be able to get a solid conversation with, with this guy. <laughs> um, and it's because just the way he is right and and i think too for those looking for mentors and looking for people to kind of reach out to you have to also understand that instructors teachers mentors are also have to be kind of protective about yeah, who, and selective. who they let in yeah and selective like it's not all of a sudden you know whoever comes in oh i'm gonna show you everything and it's not so much that they're secretive it's just that everybody has a whim Right. And I, I've had multiple whims. And I think is if a lot of times if whoever I came up to or the idea that I brought out kind of like we went all through, I think it would have been a crash and burn. But so to go back to that mentor protection type of thing is sometimes you need to build that relationship and build time to really see what that mentor, teacher, instructor is really um, capable of uh, capable of teaching you. So. Yes, you're going to find the thing that you want to learn. You're going to find kind of like how you want to go about it. And sometimes, too, we talked about earlier is reflections, like understanding how do you learn? Do you learn better by like observing more? Do you learn more by like hands on? Do you learn more kind of like a mixture? A mixture? Do you want a reading material? And you have to also understand if that mentor kind of works with that, too. Like, or are they just kind of like hands on and you know, I really don't do books or are they the type of person that are going to require you to read something every time you come in and are you okay with that? Uh, and sometimes too, that might not be a good fit for you, but it might be a good, might not be a good fit for you long term, but at that particular moment in your learning space, that might be good. So, uh, and I think just, just to add to that, yeah, uh, we, we have the advantage now in the day and age that we live where you have so many options, right? I think that part of finding the right mentor is somebody that resonates with you because 10 people yeah. could be saying the same thing, but only a few of those are going to vibe with you. So, yeah. um, you, you know, what I would recommend is, you know, either if this person has written books, read some of their books. If they do podcasts, listen to their podcasts. If they do Instagram videos or YouTube videos, like watch some of those and you're going to know right off the bat, okay, this person, like True. it makes a lot of sense what he's saying or she's saying. Um, and for some reason, there's just like an attraction there that I feel like I want to learn from this person. So th there is, you know, we have options now, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, you couldn't say the same thing. You had to attend a workshop or you had to attend mm -hmm. a seminar. Now you can just listen to a podcast and like, wow, I really like this Andy guy. It makes a lot of sense what he's saying. Like maybe I should go approach him. Um, so that, that you have options.
Yeah, I think, um, yeah, we definitely didn't have that back then. You had like a phone book, and if you're lucky, <laughs> you got referred to that person. Um, or sometimes you kind of came across their book and then try to get in touch with them somehow. But now there's so much information. Even though there is information abundance, um, just like we mentioned, there's no absolutes. That same thing can be a blessing, and at the same time, it can be a curse. Um, there was something else I wanted to say about this mentoring stuff. Uh, so we talked about kind of understanding what you want to learn, how you want to go about it. We talked about the understanding that, oh, and the reason why I mentioned that mentor uh, kind of protection thing, because I remember talking to, um, he teaches the art of coaching, uh, Bartholomew. Yeah. Uh, Brett, right. Brett Bartholomew. And I remember, uh, so part of uh, one of the masterminds I was part of, he was one of the, like the, he came in as like a guest speaker and he talked about like. He's fantastic, by uh, the way. Yeah, he talked about um, how he gets reached out all the time, like, oh, like, I would love to learn from you and, like, shadow you. And he was like, and at first I was like, wow, that was arrogant. The way, he, and I'm going to talk, I'm going to say what he said. And then after a while, I was like, okay, it makes sense. And we, and, and we talked about this kind of mentorship, men, like, the protection, kind of, like, feel out, make sure you're the right person, not only as a, a mentor, but as a mentee as well. And he talked about, like, if I accepted everyone that reached out to me, First of all, there'll be too many people. And second of all, not everyone is ready to learn. For and sure. not everybody is, you know, it's kind of like the, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yep. When the teacher is ready, the student will appear. And, he, you know, he mentioned, he's like, sometimes it might take to a point where, you know, you ask a question first, like via DM or email. I'll be like, hey, by the way, you know, I read your book, like Julia mentioned, like read their stuff. I read your book, Art of Coaching, and I just had a question uh, regarding like this one thing you said, like, what do you mean, whatever. And maybe he has time to get back to you because obviously he has a life and a family or she. Well, that's, no, yeah, no. That's, a, that's a really good point, actually, is <laughs> that another reason why they're so protective is that a lot of times people just want the easy answer. Like now mm -hmm. it's like, um, you know, they say this guy who's written a fantastic book and does he has a lot of free resources. I'm subscribed to his stuff. So he's always giving you articles and podcasts and all this resources. Right. And then people, you know, somebody will go without reading any of that stuff and be like, hey, what's the best way that I can do this and that? And it's like, you almost yeah. want to say, have you read any of my stuff? Because I gave that away <laughs> for free, you know? And so it's like, yeah. it's the lazy way out. And I hear this from a lot of people who are highly sought after that they say, hey, before you're going to come approach this person, like read their stuff, like look at the things that they've done because they got, odds are they, they already answered your question. That's true. It's true. I think sometimes, not I think, most of the time this happens, right? Even for me, I have to kind of like, even, you know, uh, for this podcast, a lot of time uh, I have to have some research. And for whatever reason, research and kind of like looking up stuff ahead of time, for whatever reason, just like, I, it really costs me to do that. <laughs> so a lot, a lot of times I like to go on a whim, but I realize that I need to, in order to really get the most out of a podcast or get the most out of a person, um, you have to kind of learn some of their stuff. So sometimes, you know, you read maybe a chapter or two of whatever they have or listen to a podcast like Julian mentioned, just learn a little bit because a lot of times the question you want to answer has already been answered and it's kind of almost like a slap in the face to them. Like, all right, cool. You want to get this answer. I understand your ambition, your ambition or your, uh, what's the word, I guess, tenacity to learn, but you also have to do your due, due diligence to kind of Yeah, you get have that to put your reps yourself. in. You have to do the work mm -hmm. that everybody else, every everybody who got to a successful place had to do. You know, you can't skip out on that. And I just want to give you a real, real world example of what we're talking about. Um, I, as a trainer, I'm very selective with who I take on as a client. I don't just take anyone mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because there are certain 
there are people like you said when the when the student is ready the teacher will appear there's a bunch of people that they're they're not prepared for what it is that I have to teach. In other words, they're looking for shortcuts. They, you know, I have people that come to me and say, I'm getting married in three weeks. I need to lose 20 pounds. Can you help me? No, I can't like go to somebody else. That's going to, you know, that's, that's just ridiculous to me. For me, everything is long-term. Everything is habit building. Everything is sustainability. If you want a quick fix, if you're not prepared to, to at least hear me out, uh, then I just rather not work with you because you're wasting both of our times. You know, it's not what you're looking for and it's not what I do. So I don't, you know, I'm, I'm selective as well. And, and I'm sure that these people that are highly sought after mentors, they, they're the same way with their protégés. They're not just going to pick, you know, any random person who just says they want to learn. You almost have to like prove it in a way. That you actually, I mean, that's valid point. Very, that's actually, um, what was I going to say? Um, for sure. Absolutely. And I even got there myself uh, probably a year and a half ago, right? Especially when you're when you're in business, like you're trying to bring in people and trying to make sure you're, you're making a living. But what you start to realize is, man, you're just not the right fit for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes the money isn't worth it, you know, for your uh, for your ability to enjoy what you do. But also, too, that person is not going to get uh, what they're looking for because you're not the right person. No, so sometimes they're going to be know, disappointed. Exactly. Uh, and I think something that's important too is, is to, uh, is to understand is how, how did we get to this realization? Like to say, to like turn away people or to understand, um, no, that person was the right fit. When did you feel, or what was like the, I don't know if it was the aha moment or, or multiple times, uh, because probably earlier in your career, Julian, that person, you would have been like, yes, come on. Yeah, I'll I would have taken best, anyone. Right? <laughs> So what would you say was like the maybe the the last straw or the uh, epiphany or whatever that told you like, all right, maybe I'm not the right person for this person. And you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to make this. I'm not going to I'm not I'm neither going to get a new client or make more money. So but I know in the long run, this is the best decision, not only for me, but also for the client. When would you say there was like a kind of like a spark? Um, It was more of like uh you know, it comes with experience and it ties yeah. everything that we've been, that we've been talking about in the beginning. You just want anyone, you know, just, you're going to give me money. Fine. I'll, <laughs> you know, I'll train you. That's how it is. You just want to take on clients. Um, but then after a while, two things happen. One, you start to realize your own philosophy and what you believe mm-hmm. in your values and, um, what you know to be true. And, uh, and then you have to stand by that. And if somebody's coming in with a different mentality, that is just not in line with what you do, um, it's okay. Like there's a million other trainers and other places that you can go that maybe will be more aligned with you. It's not about I'm better or this one's worse. It's about, we just, we're just not compatible and that's okay. But you have to have, you have to be stand firm in what you believe in. And then you're going to attract a lot of the people that believe in the things that you believe in and are willing to hear you out. And of course, all of this comes with a gigantic grain of salt, which is you got to get to a place where you're not really, you don't not desperate for money anymore. You know, you're, you have your set clientele, you're doing okay, your business is doing well, you're learning what works. Then you get to a place where you can kind of relax a little and be like, no, I'm going to be very selective of my clients because otherwise I'm, you know, it's more of a headache than anything. And, and another thing, like you were talking about the mistakes is I dealt with a lot of like, you know, a lot of people that I was incompatible with and that brought me more frustration than, than anything. So you start learning from like, okay, what not to do? What signs to see? What are red flags? Like when you do that first consultation, what's a, you know, a few of these red flags that may make this person incompatible. Um, and you just start learning from that and you hone in on 
this is my philosophy. These are the people I'm trying to help. These are the you know, the people are, that are going to, you know, vibe with what I'm trying to do. And, and then it works. Yeah, I mean, basically, you have to go through it. It's basically the only way. You can't really skip that yep. part. I mean, and that's one of the things that I would see is like, man, how did this person like, first of all, how do you get the courage to say, hey, sorry, like, we're not compatible. Like, how do you go there? You know, but that just takes time. And, you know, when does that happen? It's different for everyone. It might happen in the first few months. It might happen in 10 years. It might take you whatever. I think for every person is different, but I know for sure that every person goes through that for sure. I know that now anyway, before I'd be like, man, is this just me? Like, how is this person, you know, how does this person enjoy uh, their job so much? And, you know, what about the tough clients? Uh, or tough patients. I think there's always going to be tough patients, no matter if they they and tough days, right? Even the perfect patient is going to have their tough uh, tough day, but or client. But I think the first thing is you have to go through. You kind of have to go through kind of like the like we mentioned the observational phase, uh, you know, and then you kind of start to get better. But even understanding when to or how to understand when a client when you are matched with a good client or when the client or patient is a, is a good match for you and vice versa, uh, whether you're a, if, whether you're someone who is the instructor, teacher, practitioner, and also the same thing, if you're the consumer looking for the instructor, teacher, practitioner, right? Sometimes it's kind of like you start to learn or you start to identify yourself with a certain learning method and learn a way of kind of interacting and sometimes you'll be like okay this person kind of reminds me of that one person that i, I was working with and i didn't really work with you know i didn't it didn't really work go well or yeah, it consumers do that all the time and i've had many clients that yeah. say like you're like my fifth trainer but like i'm glad i found you or i tried like mm-hmm. five different little like online workouts that somebody sent me and this one sucked and that other one like it was no check-in <laughs> and i it's like okay, they start seeing all like, what am I looking for? At first, they try yeah. anything and, and I don't blame them for that. You know, they don't know any better. You just try whatever you see. You're going to have to go through a few different experiences to say, okay, I didn't like that. Okay, this one was okay. And then boom, you find, wow, this person is compatible. They're exactly what I'm looking for. And another thing is that you're going to go through different levels, right? In your learning experience, whether you're a consumer or you're a practitioner and there's someone for every level, right? For, mm-hmm. for level one, the absolute beginner, there's a coach, but then you might outgrow that coach. Now you're looking for something deeper, something, you know, else. And then you find another mm-hmm. coach who's that now at that level. Um, and there's incompatibility between those levels. So you have to know what level you're at and who's going to be speaking your language. Absolutely. And I think this goes straight into our, our my next thing, which is investing in yourself long term. And what I mean by that is it kind of goes into uh, what I was about to say here is part of your mentorship or internship or when you kind of ask questions to somebody else is you start to learn kind of what you want. How would I want to say it's kind of like what you are expecting of what you want to do and how can I rephrase that a little bit better? Like, for example, um, I've observed a lot of practitioners and then I'd be like, you know what, damn, this is what I want my practice to look like. Or I'd say, nope, I don't want my practice to look like, or, or even also like the perfect patient or be like, damn, like, yeah, this is the type of relationship I want to have with the patient or with the client. Like, this is how I want to work with them. Or, uh, nope, I definitely don't want to work with that type of patient, writing that down, or this type of uh, uh, segment or, or population. Those are things that I think are very valuable with mentorships and, and internships and, you know, school even. I think depending on where you're trying to go or what you're trying to do, school might be a good avenue for that. Uh, to be able to to give you that those reps, give you that 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 network, give you that um, 
experience. Yeah, or right? it might because, not. Exactly, or it might not. Um, so, sometimes too, you can kind of. The cool thing about mentorships and uh, and I am not selling anything here. It probably sounds like it. I'm not. This is basically <laughs> this. We talk about this all the time, right? People are always looking for information. Um, but it's true. Like I've I've had mentorships and and uh, observational stuff where I'm like, man, this is kind of like the ideal practice. And it, it came at the right moment. Like for example, a mentorship or a mentor that I'm, I'm working with right now. I'm like, man, if you would, if I would have been here, or I would no. What I was saying to myself is, damn, I wish I knew about this three years ago. But what happened was everything that happened within those three years led me to this point, and it brought me to a point where I was ready to learn this. For there's sure. been a lot of there's been a lot of times where I'm like, man, I wish I learned this, I would learn this earlier. But then I stopped myself very quickly and I said, well, everything that I did, whether good or bad or in between, led me to this point. If that mentor would have been there three years ago, you might have just looked the other way. Yeah, exactly. I have even appealed to you because you weren't the same person three years ago. Exactly. Exactly. You just weren't ready. And sometimes, too, uh, I'm sure this has happened to you, Julian, and and to the listeners as well, and maybe to you, you, Tim, as well, um, is that. You know where this happens too to our parents. Like our parents tells us something like very young. Like and this for some weird reason, twenty twenty has been one of those years that I'm always like, damn. And I remember my dad told me that. Like I I understand what he's telling me. It's like a, a automatically like the cosmos click. And it's just like mm-hmm. a great epiphany. But you didn't where, listen when they did tell you. Yeah. <laughs> like you hear this over and over and over and over. You're like, uh huh, yes, uh huh, yes. And then all of a sudden. You know, you're 30 years old or now I'm 28 and I'm like, holy shit, I'm sitting on the toilet with my, you know, just like looking, I'm like, oh my God, my dad told me this when I was like 10 or, oh, you know, uh, five years ago when I was in this internship, this person told me this and, you know, I really didn't see it, but now, now I see it. And sometimes it just takes time. So, um, I don't, I don't know if you had anything else to say there, Julian, but I, what I wanted to talk about is investing in yourself. Sometimes that's financially. Sometimes that's with time and sometimes uh, time meaning like you learn something and then you have to practice it. Um, sometimes you just have to invest yourself and you can't be scared to do so. And, and the reason why I bring this up is because I know Julian always mentions it, uh, is the fact that there was a, a year or two that I spent literally, I swear, ten to like $15,000 on certifications and courses and this and this and that. Um, and to the to any to anyone looking in, it looked like I was just a man man trying to. Well, you should probably you do. should probably do it say within the context of like you didn't you weren't like a millionaire that oh ten thousand dollars isn't no, a big no. deal. <laughs> yeah, that that was definitely that was like it was, it was hard. That I'm, yeah, that I'm still paying for. Um, but to me, internally, I knew I for me I was all setting up for the long game. Like I was looking at myself 10, 15 years. I said, all right for. From what I've seen, and we mentioned it here, like this practitioner and this course kind of, you know, I, I, I vibe with that a little bit more. I just needed to learn a little bit more. Maybe if I just kind of go into that course and I wasn't looking for actually a life in the beginning, I was learning for like the quick thing. What can I add to my practice? But I was just looking for a nugget because I knew that nugget was going to lead me to another nugget. And then just little by little, little by little, I'll, I would, it would add up. And sure enough, I'm glad I kind of stayed true to that. I think. Maybe fifteen thousand dollars is a little much, but for me, that's so what I had to do. Let me ask you because that's interesting, and I've asked you these questions a bunch of times because it's 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 not a normal thing. Like for a, how old were you? Twenty five when you were doing this? I was, uh, yeah, I think it was like twenty four. So like twenty four, twenty five. It's not normal for a twenty five year old to say, 
okay, I'm going to sacrifice myself now, like money that I could be using right now for things in order to like, you know, secure my future or think 10, 15 years ahead. So like what, what was going through your head as far as like, yeah, this is totally worth it. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just going to spend this money on purely on investing in myself. What do you think? That, that is a great question. I think the first thing is that I always knew inside that I was meant to do something that not only I was good at, uh, but I, that I really connected with that, that was the first thing. I think that was my guiding principle, but also too something that I've always said too, is that anytime I did a course, it was almost, I always found there was a lot of the same stuff being talked, but it was just like these little, little things, um, that were different. And when I, what I realized is, um, and when I mentioned this earlier in, in the episode is that everybody's talking about the same thing, but has a different kind of ingredient or recipe about it. And then I realized, how did, how did they get to that point? And I realized they went through a lot of courses. They went through a lot of, you know, they went through a lot of time, a lot of failure. What you were doing um, at that point. Right. They went, they went, through, they had to go through it. So I realized, okay, cool. And first of all, to me, yeah, I didn't grow up with money, but I realized when I die, money's going to be gone. But one thing that's going to be, uh, that will always stay with me will be the experience and the stuff that I learned. So I said, and I'm not much to kind of go out and drink and all that stuff. So for me, my advice is kind of learning um, and doing courses and stuff like that. On the same time, on the same time, those courses are also like uh, my time to kind of travel with the wife. So we would also do like spontaneous trips. So that kind of had, <laughs> that was also kind of like uh, uh, add on to those courses. But for me, I always saw the bigger picture. I said, I know me going into this course, I'm going to learn and I know I'm going to be able, I might not apply everything, but I'll be able to apply it later. And it's going to just kind of, it's like, I always saw myself as a giant puzzle piece, right? And the bad part of that is, is that in a normal puzzle, there's always an end. For me, <laughs> there's never an end. So that can be a good thing or a bad thing because I can be spending $15,000 um, every year. But what I realized after that, after that year of the big expense is, wow, everybody's talking about the same thing. So at the same time, not only was I investing in myself, but I was also uh, researching um, my market, researching uh, what happened. It's, it's, a crazy thing that, it's a crazy thing that happens when you start to surround yourself with like the top people. You start to see, and you mentioned this earlier, you start to see the resemblance. Yeah, yeah. You start to see, you start to see like, okay, these are like really successful people. What do they all have in common? What are they all doing the same? And it gives and you confidence too, because like you said, you already knew a lot of the stuff. It wasn't anything revolutionary. Exactly. It's like, okay, I, I can do this. You know, I'm, you know, up to par with these people and I just got to keep learning. It, it was a testament to what I was doing. So that's why it encouraged me to keep doing like, okay, if I spend this money, but if I just get, get to spend a few minutes with this person and just ask a couple of the right questions, um, I know it's going to really set me up. And I, again, I'll see myself as like a puzzle piece. Just putting one puzzle here, one puzzle, one puzzle piece there, one puzzle piece here. And the same thing with school. Like I'm doing my second master's. For a lot of people, they'd be like, man, I, I, I honestly could have been doing exactly what I'm doing right now as a massage therapist. But what I realized is the same thing. It's like, again, if I can just add on experiences, not so much certifications because – Really, when anybody comes to me, I don't say I'm a athletic trainer, massage therapist, strength coach, movement coach. <laughs> uh, I don't say that. I just say, hi, my name is Andy. How can I help you? Right. But there's so much information behind that and so much experience. Um, so, again, to answer your question, how that came about is one, 
I knew I was playing the long game from the very beginning. And I think my my it's funny how the the table switched here. I came I went from the interviewer <laughs> to the interviewee. I, I like that. that. I, I saw what you did there. Don't don't think I didn't notice. Okay. So but but great job. Anyways, so I think my my experience in baseball and in college, I realized that um one, it's gonna take me a long time to learn something and get really good at it. And even when I'm really good at it, there's gonna be a lot of things I need to learn. Um, and just trial and error, it, it, trial and error. If there's anything that baseball, maybe any sport, would teach me is that failure isn't an option, and failure is also part of the or not failure. Should I say uh, struggle, an obstacle? Failure isn't an option. I think is a choice, and that struggle and challenge is actually a gift. Um, so those are all things that I, that was always and still is in my mind. Um, so I, I saw the, the long term. I had prior experiences that told me that there was going to be a lot more difficulty that I just kind of had to continue adding little nuggets and uh, just keep moving forward. I, again, I always saw myself in 10, 15 years. Like, where do I want to see myself? Um, so, yeah, yeah that's, I guess that's, that's great. Of, I mean, the reason I ask, because I think it's very valuable to the listeners and it's something that's it's rare quality, you know, um, it's like I, I've talked to a lot of young people and not uh, not a lot of them have that because it's, you know, sometimes ambition can be a tricky thing because if you're an ambitious young person, you just want to like do do and then start making money and then just become well known and get a lot of followers and, you know, build businesses, whatever it is that you want to do. But uh, you got to understand you want to you want to if you want to be successful in life, it takes a lot. You got to put those reps in. You got to play the long game. You have to have faith and optimism that everything that you're doing is going to pay off. Um, but you, you're doing yeah. the right things and surrounding yourself with the right people. And, and I think it's important for people to hear that. I wish more people had that mentality, especially at an early think, age. Absolutely. And, and I want to say a lot of that was feel for me. And none of that was planned. It's not like I'm like, I said, all right, 2016 to 2017, I'm going to do this course and spend this much. It was really just feel like yeah. I knew, I never knew what I wanted to do. Like, first of all, I can't even, to this day, I can't even describe what I do. People would say, hey, what do you do? I'm like, uh, great question. I have no idea. It's a mix of everything I've learned. I've tried to put a name on it. So far, I, I say Just health. As long as, as long as people don't call you a masseuse. I made that mistake oh, early on. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jeez. Even then, I, I'm like, all right, what do you really mean by that? And let me tell you what that what that really means. And some people like call, being called that. But anyways, Julian, Julian likes to pull, push my buttons with that. Um what was I going with this? Oh, feel like a lot of stuff that I did and still do was by, by like feel like, and what I mean by that is not like, Oh, how does this make me feel? No, it's more like, uh, how do intuition. I, it's intuitive. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like intuition. I, I, I think a like, way to describe it, like from an outsider looking in is you followed your curiosities deeply. And I think that it, judging from, I'm the type of guy that's obsessed with like personal development, right? I'm listening to all these successful people and philosophers and psychologists and, and I want to hear them and their, their thought processes. And all, one of the things I hear often is that ver the very successful people, one thing they all have in common is they're very curious and they, and when they're curious about something, they go in and they just follow that curiosity and it takes them to all kinds of interesting places. So I think that's one of the things you were doing, right? You were very curious about, I want to figure this out. I want to figure this puzzle out and I'm interested in these things and I need to go deeper. I need to learn more. I need to go deeper and learn more. And that is always a good thing. You know, I think being curious and, and following your curiosity is, is something that leads to wonderful things. Yeah. And I'm also not a book reader uh, as much as I try. 
Um, I, and I really have to try. I'm more of a, and I think this is one of the other aspects of it and why I like to talk about mentorships and internships and reaching out um, because I'm that person. I don't really like, I don't like to read books. Even in school, uh, <laughs> even in school, um, a lot of times I'm the doer. And sometimes too, like for example, uh, now in acupuncture school, like we have to do like, you have to, in any school really like and like practice clinical stuff you have to do like proficiencies like get really good at this school skill and you know do like a thousand patients and make sure you write them down a lot of times i'm the type of person that i like to see 10 people do it and then i get a little piece from how i observe each person to do it all right this person for example taking someone's pulse in chinese medicine like you do with three fingers and there's like 28 different qualities and what you listen and what I realized too is that's super subjective. Ten people are gonna take that pulse and it's like ten different diagnoses. That's a different uh, conversation and discussion and episode in itself. Uh, but what I learned is um, that I I'm not a book person and theory person. I, I know I can get that from the very beginning and then go from there. So I knew that if I wanted, and I do, and I do have a plethora of a library here as far as like manual therapy and movement. But in reality, I like skim through it, see the pictures and see kind of what resonates and I'll read some of it, make some notes. But I learned most through like one to one. Hence why we do a podcast talking and like, you know, seeing what the other person has to say and do and whatever. So I spent so much money on this stuff because that's the best way I knew how to learn. Um, and that was something I had to know very early on. And, and you know what? If there's anything I learned from school is how to study and how to learn. You know, because they give you certain tactics, but it really took me probably to like my graduate school to be like, oh, if I want to pass a test, this is what I have to do. Uh, before that, I was just faking it, <laughs> faking it until I make it because I didn't really know how to learn. I didn't know what was kind of like my way. Um, so, yeah, I was definitely curious, but I also knew that for me to learn, I have to kind of see that person. I have to be live. I have to kind of be in it. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It goes back to that. We've it seems like a theme in this conversation of of knowing yourself and what your yeah. your preferred learning method is. Like I I like books. I really um when you brought this up, like investing in yourself, I was gonna bring up the fact that like um there's this financial uh, advisor guy that I follow, and he always says that you need to have like your money rules, right? Like these these are the things that I like won't comp uh what's the word compromise. Uh, with money and these are things that i will like kind of save and like okay it's not that important to me for me yeah. personal development is a something that i'll spend money on all day right so for me yeah. if i would want a book if i'm interested in a book i buy the book there is no like oh well no i'm gonna wait and no like for me books are are important so you gain knowledge and you might gain one little like you said one little nugget from that book that might change your entire outlook on life or on your practice or whatever so to me that's personally that's important for other people it might be online courses it might be lectures. It might be workshop, hands-on workshops. So I think one of the other things that separates you from a lot of people is that you, like you, you talk, you approach people a lot. You you go to the sources and approach them. Hey, can I do a workshop here at your gym? Hey, you know, can we get together for a coffee? Hey, can we do a podcast together? And that's something that I admire about you because I'm not a people person. It's very there's a lot of resistance when I have to reach out to people. I'm more of like listening to I'm very introverted. So um, but I like that about you that you just go straight to the source and boom, what can I learn from this person? This person's interesting. Let me go learn from them. Let me actually go to their gym and offer my services to their members. So I, I think that that also helped you a lot. Yeah, you know the weirdest part is that I'm definitely not that person. Oh, so it's weird because I like learning in person, but for me to get to that 
point of asking the person is super difficult for me. It's almost like I have to like pep myself. <laughs> like I have to like build myself up to get enough confidence and be like, all right, I'm going to go to this person or reach out to this person. I mean, now Tim is the a mastermind in like reaching out to people. So shout out to Tim. Mm, uh, we got to pick you know, Tim's I, brain I then. Yeah, I can't, I can't give Tim enough credit for what he does behind the scene. Uh, not only is he the co-host, uh, I think this is the perfect time to shine the light on him. I don't think he likes that too much and I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> I hope that, yeah, he, like, again, if it wasn't for that, he, you know how many no's and maybes he gets, and he just kind of, like, persistent at it, so shout out to that, but what I wanted to say, too, is that um, I, I, I like doing the in-person stuff so much, but I'm such an awkward person to get to that point, to be honest. Uh, I've learned, uh, you know, a lot of what we talked about today is, hey, you know, experience, a lot of that is, all right, maybe I should approach this conversation a little bit uh, more. Uh, or better maybe i should you know for this person their personality is like this so i have to kind of go about it this way and you know what are some common interests that i can meet halfway whatever and and to be honest this podcast i always hated still to this day talking on the phone i hate talking on the phone i'm i just don't like it it's just very weird but i said hey the only way for me to like oh this podcast thing and it all started because i would have these conversations and still do weekly with my abuelo and he like tell me all these different things about cuba and all these things and i said man i learned so much from this guy and i found that to be true almost in every conversation especially like me and julian anytime me and julian get into a conversation it's trouble for our, our <laughs> wives and fiance like we're there for at least an hour and deep. And, yeah um and again that's why i was like oh wow okay this is something i'm really interested in and i find that i can learn this way and this is my media podcast um, I really like learning in person. Um, I might not like comedi- uh, how I like, like getting to that point, like asking somebody because, you know, the fear of rejection or you don't know if it's the right fit and how would they take it. But the reward of getting that information or building that relationship was always worth the that little uncomfortableness. But I always got better with each one. I always got better every time I approach a workshop, I, every time I approach somebody. Uh, the way I approach the podcast, all those things always got better through time. Um, and, and you mentioned something with the financial stuff, excuse me, um, was uh, like a budget, like uh, like priorities. For me, like some people listening here might be like $15,000 in one year or like three courses or whatever it is. Like, that's crazy. I remember uh, I spent seven grand on a, on a manual therapy course. It was a week. Um, and people were like, what the hell? Even me, I was like, what the hell? Man? I want to spend this amount of money. But I knew, I knew already what I, what, what I was going to get out of it. So I said, $7,000 for a freaking, uh, uh, a complete change in the way I think of things. And, uh, and you know, I got so much more out of it. So to me, like you mentioned it, I, I think of that too. Like to me, whenever, whenever it's like a learning experience, like even, and whenever it's like a learning experience, like I can put as much money, obviously, if I have it. And if I don't have it, I do my best to stay within my means. Um, and we do the same thing, like for me and my wife, when it comes to like experience and food, like we splurge on those things. When it comes to like going out or uh, drinks and all those things, that's not something we do. But when it comes to like travel or trying something new, those are things that we spend money on. Yeah. Um, and, and that all goes to, and, and we mentioned this too, and Julian mentioned this, is knowing yourself. 
like knowing what you like, knowing what you don't like and trying to prioritize those things. Um, and knowing where you're important. headed, you know, you, you yeah. have to make certain sacrifices. If you want to have a better future, you just got to pick and choose. You get to choose those sacrifices. I mean, that's that's a great privilege that we have, that we get to choose those sacrifices. Some people don't get to. Um, yeah, we have True. to know where you're headed. But I want to make one more point like as a counter argument to people that say, oh, $15,000, that's crazy. It might be. But if, as a business, if you learn something, let's say you don't do any continued education, you just keep doing your business the same way you've always done it. Right. And five years go by and you're still charging the same thing and you're still making the same amount of money. Whereas somebody else who invests all this money. Yes, I, I put a lot of money down up front. But then I learned things that eventually make me so good at what I do that my business doubles, yeah. triples, quadruples. I charge more. I'm learning all these mm -hmm. things. So, yes, you, you have to spend money to make money. That's what people understand. If you just hoard your money and just kind of keep doing what you're doing, then you're never going to get to the next level. So that money, I'm sure it's come back to you and then some. Oh, yeah. I mean, just like you get. When you do things that put you in the place where you feel like, yes, this is where I'm supposed to be, that's worth it all. There's times where I was like, damn, like I don't feel quite there yet. But there's times, uh, and I say, I've always said it, uh, even though this crazy year, like now is where I felt, especially like in my career, where I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Like all the stuff that I've learned to this point, how I communicate my philosophy, like that, you know, six, seven years ago when this all started, this is what I had in mind. This is the feeling that I knew I would, I would, I would get. Um, how I was gonna get here, I have no idea. But whatever money I spent, the time I spend, the time I continue and will continue to spend, and money I will continue to spend. Um, when you have, when you build, like, I don't know what the word is. It's like, it's not just philosophy. It's just like, I guess your way, like your your Tao, man, your Tao. I don't know what it is. Like when you, when everything that that. How can I say this? Like the way I teach, the way I talk, the way I go about how I go about things, the way I communicate, all those things was uh, uh, an effort of everything that I had to go through, all the experiences, even this same podcast that I've learned so much about already. Like uh, All those experiences has made this little, I don't know what you want to call it. Like, I guess me is made me to who I am. Um, so I guess, yeah, that's definitely worth the investment. You know, I, I'll spend more money on it. So, I'll spend more. And sometimes, sometimes it's not money. Sometimes it's just time. time. Yeah. You know, so it's not always is it money. Yeah. So what would you tell somebody who's like young and, and doesn't really know what they're going to be doing in the future, but they know that they want to be successful and, you know, learn and all that. Like what kind of behaviors and practices would you recommend for someone who's like, at where you were, you know, at 24, but maybe they don't, they don't have a vision of where they want to be. Um, try everything is what I did with, especially with all those courses, but, and talk to as many people as you can. And if you don't, if you're not the talking person, if you don't, you know, if you don't like approaching people, listen, you got Google and you got YouTube. If you're a book reader, you know, you have all types of media that, you know, can get there. But it's not just that. You have to, it's not just a learning, like we mentioned. It's not just a learning. You can't just sit behind a screen or sit behind a book, right? Uh, if you find something that you're interested interested in, then try to see how you can learn more about that and see how you can, not just learn, how you can apply those things into it. For example, uh, in, um, haircutting. Like, I'm really good at cutting hair. And that all happened because it was a necessity that I wanted to cut my hair and then actually got good at it. And then, you know, I had a whole team to cut hair in high school. And then I went to college and I had 40 plus people to cut hair. And then all of a sudden I was doing designs. 
So this thing that came from a uh, necessity to like an interest to something that I really wanted to get good at, I all those things I put in the time and the effort and uh, the finance, whatever, the investment, whatever it is, the investment into it. And, and again, it goes back into not being scared into making those mistakes. So it's not always about knowing. And, and this is something that I talk to my brother-in-law, uh, which is almost like a son to me, um, that I tell him all the time. I, say, I tell him, listen, learn all you want through these YouTube videos and all those things, but don't be, you need to act. You need to, you need to apply yeah, those things. Don't just consume and, things. Yeah, you have to see if that's what you really like. And and my to my uh, brother, um, another brother I have, I have a lot of brothers, a stepbrother, um, which I just call my brother, is I tell him, he'll, he'll tell me, oh, like I like sports management. And <clears throat> and man, I really like this, uh, this music thing and I want to be like a producer slash management. And I don't say, and I don't say, oh, that's ridiculous. Or I say, no, you can't do that. Or even though there are certain tendencies where I'm like, I don't know if this is the best thing for you. But what I'll say is, okay, cool. You want to do that? Tell me more about it. Why are you interested in it? Um, okay, you're interested in this, 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 this. Okay, cool. What have you done? Oh, you know, me and my me and my boys, he says. Me and my boys have done a, a music video and this. Okay, okay, cool. What are you guys doing with that? Oh, we're meeting up with this person. I say, cool. Keep, you know, and, and I think you mentioned this, Julian. Just kind of keep going into that rabbit hole and see where it leads you. Um, at the end of the day, you, you never know. Nobody knows, man. You know, whoever tells you, Oh, if you do this, this is going to happen. A lot of times it's not necessarily true because what happened for that person might not happen to the next person. You know what I mean? First of all, first of all, I know we're going on a rant and this is probably the longest podcast we've had. Um, as an athletic trainer, you know how many times I got told, oh, you can't have your own business. You can't do this and you can't do that. And I've always said, I was like, uh, yeah, I can. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how, but I'm pretty sure I can. And now you know what happens? Everybody, everybody that's an athletic trainer, and I talk a lot of times now at my school, how they can open their own business. Something to the point where they said that wasn't possible. Why am I doing that? Oh, I can't do that. I believed in it. I knew, I guess, I'm not going to say I knew, but I believed in it. I didn't know if it was for sure. I believed in it, and that was enough for me. For some people, they call it hope. For me, some people call it faith. But I think in, for me, I... Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I think an important distinction here, like for the younger people listening, is that... Um, like it's not enough to just have passion and believe that something's going to yeah. happen. You did the hard work, which yeah. what I fear and what I see with a lot of these young people. And when I get interns or when I get the young, young um, trainers, I try to advise them because I've made these mistakes and I don't want to see them do the same thing is that like you have to invest your time in the right things right nowadays. There, yeah. there's no shortage of distractions. So yeah. when, when you're learning about your thing and it starts getting difficult, it's much easier to just pick up your phone and scroll through Instagram. Or play video games is much easier, but that's not going to get yeah. you anywhere. So don't don't have this vision of oh I'm going to be successful one day. I know it, but then you're not putting your reps in. You're not doing the work. You got to do the hard work. That's the big caveat here. You know, you, you, a 24 year old you wasn't just dreaming about opening your own practice. You were doing hard work, and you were you were mm -hmm. you know at one point a workaholic. Um, but I think a lot of people listening need to understand that that just like with fitness or with anything else, you got to put in the work and it gets uncomfortable and you're not going to want to do it sometimes. And you have to build discipline and, and all the stuff that you always hear that you can't escape those things. Yeah, I mean, you, you can hear a lot of things like ask, believe, receive or uh, yeah, manifest set it your out dreams. Into, yeah, set it out into the universe. I believe in that for sure. But I think there's a missing aspect in what you just mentioned. There's the work. Yes, ask the universe, ask yourself for what you want and believe in that wholeheartedly 
um, because there's going to be a lot of people and a lot of situations that are going to deter you from that. Um, but also accept that sometimes, you know, that the imposter syndrome can can get grab a hold of uh, even the best of us. But also understand that, you know, once you get to that receiving aspect of it, like understand that you worked hard for it, but you have to work for it. At the end of the day, no matter who you are, where you at, what level you are, beginner, uh, whatever, intermediate, you're just starting out, whether, you know, if it's a rehab, uh, you're you're injured and you're just starting out getting better or, you know, someone who uh, wants to lose weight or optimize their performance and you're just starting to learn how to do a hip hinge for the first time, you didn't know what that was, um, or even a coach or practitioner learning from the very beginning, or maybe you're a veteran, you know, you know, just trying to learn more about it and you now are becoming a student again, which if you haven't learned already, you're always a student, is you have to put in the work, you know, and, and believe in, in what you're doing. Um, and sometimes it's okay to change what you believe in, like your philosophy. Like if you would ask me five years ago what I thought was like the perfect way to treat somebody uh, or work movement or, or communicate, I would have told you completely different to what I do now. And it might be the same thing in 10 years where it will be completely yeah, different. Most it likely it will be, be yeah. Yeah, and I hope so because uh, what type of world we live in if it stays the same, um, and if history repeats itself, I'm most likely going to change. Yeah, but, some, sometimes um, people need a little tough love. Um, I know in my industry yeah. that's definitely the case because I mean, how many people have you met that tell you right with words? They say I'm I'm so like I I I want this so bad. I'm really interested in this. I'm so frustrated by this. Okay, what have you read on it? What have you learned about it? Um, what have you tried to like? Have you tried to acquire any not? Oh, no, not really. Like, I kind of tried this. It's not. It's like, so how can you say you're so deeply committed to learning and or to getting out of your frustration when you haven't, you know what I'm saying? You, you haven't really mm -hmm. actually tried to investigate what is the source of your frustration? Why is it that you haven't lost weight? You know, am I really putting in the effort that I say I am or is this just wishful thinking? You know, you'd be every single time when I pry and a client comes in saying, I'm so frustrated. I don't know why this is happening. I say, okay, like, what have you, have you put this into practice? Like, look at all these resources. Have you read this book? Have you read, you know, all this, these great newsletters or podcasts regarding the subject? And most of the time the answer is no, because most of the times if you want, if you're really committed to something, like you just go and do it. And sometimes we have to be the ones to remind people that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, it's scary for them. You know, you get comfortable being where you're at and you know that for you to change there has, there's going to be a whole sense of uncomfortable new things so sometimes you know that can be very scary and then you have someone you know mentor a practitioner anyone you know that you found to help you along the way and they're going to tell you hey listen if you want to do this you got to do x y and z and it's not going to be easy but for you to get to that point you, you know there has to be like you mentioned some sacrifice and sometimes too you'll find the person who they'll talk about it and they they, they get uh they get their gratification. They just, just want to talk about it. About it. <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean? Like, they want to like, vent. Oh, yeah. Like, um, oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm soon, I'm soon going to be working out. And, you know, and, uh, I saw this new coach and I'm going to be doing that. And then what happens is when you start saying that, you all automatically, your brain automatically gets you to that point. And for a lot of people, it's like, all right, that's it. Cool. I got that Instagram. They feel good about themselves at that point. Yeah. I feel good. You know, I, I said it to somebody else. They think like they already have a different perception of who I am. Like it's okay, cool. And it stops there. It's like and the idea of the diet starts on Monday. You know, how many times yeah. have you heard that? Right? No, no, no. I'm starting the diet on Monday. And then oh, next yeah. Friday, it's yeah, the exactly. same thing. 
oh, well, I messed up already on the weekend, so diet starts on Monday. You know, it's like just saying that makes you feel good about yourself and then gives you the the slack to just do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I, I think that has a term, but I don't know what it is. But that's definitely a real thing. It is. Well, um, I've studied like productivity a lot. And one of the things with productivity is putting things on a list makes you feel like tasks that you have to do makes you feel so good about the fact that you're organized that you mm. might not even do them, but you already feel good about the fact that you wrote it down on a list. Like, all right, I wrote my list down. <laughs> you know, right. of course you have to go out and, and do it, but just writing it down makes you feel good. It goes back to doing the damn thing, man. You can't just write it down and read about it. You got to do the damn thing. Absolutely. All right. I think we got to close this episode. Like I, 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 We warned you guys. We warned you. Anytime me and Julian get together, this is really just like a freaking forever. <laughs> uh, we can talk here for three three hours. So we'll go ahead and close it here. Julian, how can the the audience uh, reach out to you? Uh, well, I'm actually taking a little break from social media, more than a little break. Um, so I think the best way would be just through my website, which is Julian Arana. That's J-U-L-I-A-N. A-R-A-N-A dot com, com, And then you could also subscribe to my newsletter, which I send once a week. Um, and that's pretty much how I'm, I'm contacting uh, my subscribers and followers and all that stuff. So that would probably be the best way. Perfect. And I'll make sure that you should be able to see that at the bottom of the show notes here. And I could highly, highly recommend uh, his newsletter. I'm actually a part of it and I get that newsletter every week. Really good stuff um, for anyone. From the coach all the way to the consumer, I highly, highly recommend you guys subscribing to that. Um, I usually give book recommendation, but I think you made already. It was the finance one, and then what was the other one? Psychology of finance. Oh, psychology of finance. Psychology of money, which is actually a pretty new. It My came money. out in September 2020. Um, I would also okay. recommend. Um, I'm really into the author named Cal Newport. He's written a, a bunch of books. Um, he's a like an MIT uh, technology guy, but he loves this field of, I don't know if you've ever heard of deep work. Um, mm. it, that's, that's his, he coined the term deep work and uh, is basically how to optimize your life for productivity and reduce distractions and build an intentional relationship with your technology. Um, I would also recommend his book, Digital Minimalism. So anything that you just look up Cal Newport and you can get into his work, I'd highly recommend that. He's a great thinker. Cool. And you should see those links at the bottom of the show notes here to make it easier for you guys. And just uh, at the end here, what we're going to do is speed round. Julian, I think you're familiar with this, where we shoot you uh, a few questions, both Tim and I, um, just to get you, I mean, I already know you, but just for the audience to get to know you a little bit more. Um, and hopefully these are different questions than the last time we asked you. And if they aren't, I'd be uh, very interested to see if any of those answers change. So <laughs> that, right, actually, that gives, the, that gives the audience some little, uh, I guess, teaser to go back and listen to our first uh, episode with Julian. So I forget what episode that was, but go ahead and check that out. Um, all right. So I'll go first and then Tim, we'll go one-on-one. Tim, you go and then I'll go. Okay. Julian, what's right. one item on your bucket list? Hmm. One item on my bucket list. You know, honestly, right now it would be buy a house. That's my number one thing that I want to do. So I haven't even thought of anywhere beyond that. I haven't thought of okay. anything future to that. Uh, next one. What's your greatest fear, Julian? Ooh, going deep here. Uh, deep work, man. I'd say the fear of reaching the end of my life and knowing that I didn't reach my full potential. Same here. That's a common one. Last song that was stuck in your head. Probably whatever was playing at the gym this morning. That's a tough one. Probably something by Bad Bunny. 
<laughs> such a Miami, such a Miami three hundred five yeah, thing to it's, say. Right I mean, there. it's it's Miami gym. This is true. Uh, last movie you saw? Oh my god, you guys are killing me. I'm a big documentary guy. I don't remember the last movie I saw. The la- it might have been a documentary. I think it was a documentary called The Last Resort or something like that about a psychiatric facility. <laughs> okay. Tim, last question. Would you rather save money or save time? Oh, wow. You guys really go big here. <laughs> save money or save time? I'd say time. All right. And that concludes our speed round. Um, here, and then, well, should I say this last part is uh, thanks. Uh, it's basically just you know a few thanks uh, that we like to give or I don't know if that's another way to say that, but that's how I usually say it. Um, it is our special thanks. The first one goes to you, Julian. Thank you again for jumping on this podcast uh, and, and this episode. Um, I, I can attest for sure that the audience is going to learn something not only new, but something uh, deep. Um, and something they can t- definitely take away with them. I know both Tim and I have. Uh, so thank you very much for jumping on again for this episode. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. I always enjoy these talks. So anytime. Of course. Thank you to the listeners. Guys, without you, uh, we wouldn't really have a platform to talk about and bring these awesome guests on here. So thank you very much for, for joining in and you know downloading each episode. And for those that have uh, reviewed the episode and sorry, the podcast, Thank you so much because that helps us reach other people. Um, So thank you to the listeners. And third and lastly is thank you to our clients, our patients, our students, um, and those who we get to work with on a daily basis. Like we mentioned, we really love what we do, and there's so much value to to be able to give out to everyone. Um, And for you guys, uh, you know, the ones that we work with every day, for you guys to see that value and to, um, you know, be able to you know share with you guys um you know there's no other words but but thank you it's priceless uh so thank you for that with that being said this is connected move radio i'm your host andy fortuna signing out hey there andy fortuna here and i hope you enjoyed that episode i love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you and would love the opportunity to do the same for others so please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast Thank you so much for your support and see you on the next episode. Hold up.